Good morning. We had our charge conference uh, this past week, and one of the things the district superintendent wanted me to do was to let you know that we received this certificate signed by the bishop for our good stewardship in 2011, where we paid 100% of our askings and givings to our connectional ministries and throughout our conference and denomination. So I just wanted you to be to see it, and I'm going to post it up on the uh, on the wall, and uh, so everyone can see it later. But I want you to be aware of it. As I welcome you here this morning, let me give you some announcements. First of all, we have uh, this on this angel tree in the narthex. We still have some angels that need to be picked up to help a needy family for Christmas. Also, I was told we need some uh, contributions just to the angel tree uh, ministry. So. Uh, please uh, be aware of that. Uh, today, uh, there's the uh, Greer Christmas Parade at 2.30. Good place to watch is in front of our church. It will be coming down in front of our church, and our children will be part of it. They'll be in the parade, and uh, just re reminder to make sure you're over there uh, at by 2, I think, is when they want you to be lined up. And also a reminder for the children that they will practice this evening at 5 for the handbells and they'll have a musical rehearsal at 5.30 here in the sanctuary for next week's uh, children's uh, musical uh, program that will be held at the 11 o'clock service. I hope you'll all come and attend. And then they will have a Christ they're going to have their Christmas party tonight too. So you children, make sure you're all, you're part of everything going on today. But I do want to remind you adults about the Christmas musical at our 11 a.m. service on December the 9th. Now coming up before then, this Wednesday, is the monthly supper this Wednesday and uh, fellowship meal. So in our newly renovated social hall. So I hope you'll come and be part of that. Um, one more announcement. Um, volunteers in children and youth activities. If you are a volunteer, it is time to recertify for safe sanctuaries. And so Harriet Johnson or Marsha Mays, can give you the information that you need. You need to please talk to them as soon as you can uh, because uh, it is time to recertify. If you're a volunteer in children or youth activities or you'd like to be a volunteer, if you'd see either Harriet Johnson or Marsha Mays. I want to mention this uh, now prior to prayer time. Uh, Bob Dunlap, who um, participates fairly regularly recently in the 9 o'clock service, had a very serious spinal cord injury over the Thanksgiving holiday. If he is being moved to Carolina's rehab in Charlotte, but you have a way of keeping up with him, his family wanted you to know. If you go to caringbridge.org, caringbridge.org, and put his name in and follow the instructions, you'll be able to follow his progress and uh, send him messages of, of, of uh, you know, encouragement, uh, and please, we want you to be praying for him. He had a very serious accident. Bob Dunlap. Let us begin our worship together.
introduction to the service of hanging on the greens, please follow with me in your bulletins. How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the King? How shall we prepare this house for the coming of the eternal Christ? With our How shall we prepare this house for the coming of our Savior? With wreaths of folly and ivy, telling of his passion, death, and resurrection. How shall we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Son of God? By hearing again the words of the prophets who foretold the saving work of God. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. God will send the righteous king, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In ancient times, the cedar was revered as the tree of royalty. It also signified immortality and was used for purification. We place this cedar branch as a sign of Christ, who reigns as king forever, and whose coming in justice and righteousness will purify our hearts.
please be seated. The prophet declares a child will be born. Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Because the needles of pine and fir trees appear not to die each season, the ancients saw them as signs of things that last forever. Isaiah tells us that there will be no end to the reign of the Messiah. Therefore, we hang this wreath of evergreen shaped in a circle, which itself has no end, to signify the eternal reign of Jesus the Christ. Fourth Servant Song, <clears throat> Isaiah 53, 1 through 6. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him. Nothing in his appearance we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with uh, in, infirmity. And as for one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And try his, by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For Christians, the Isaiah passage reflects the suffering of Jesus, who saved us from our sins through his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead. In past times, holly and ivy were seen as signs of Christ's passion. 
Their prickly leaves suggested the crown of thorns, the red berries, the blood of our Savior, and the bitter bark, the drink offered to Jesus on the cross. As we place the holly and ivy, let us rejoice in the coming of Jesus, our Savior. The mystery of the incarnation. This is from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, verses 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What is coming to being in Him was life. And the life was the light of all people. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, who gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will or the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. We have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. As we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the light of the world, we light the Christmas tree. During this Advent, wherever you see a lighted Christmas tree, let it call to mind the one who brings light to our darkness, healing to our brokenness, and peace to all who receive him. Holy Lord, we come with joy to celebrate the birth of your Son, who rescued us from the darkness of sin, by making the cross a tree of life and light. May this tree, arrayed in splendor, remind us the life-giving cross of Christ, that we may rejoice in the new life that shines in our hearts. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. verses 2 and 3. The prophet Isaiah said, For darkness shall cover the earth, and the thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise, arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ our hope. May the light sent from God shine in the darkness to show us the way of salvation. O come, O come, o come, o come Emmanuel. Emmanuel.
our children come forward now for our children's time. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good. Are you a little excited about Christmas? I think so. It's a parade this afternoon. Do you have a Christmas tree yet? Not yet. Maybe soon. This morning we're going to talk a little about what the message of Christmas really is. The message of Christmas is all about God's love. It tells us how much he loved us, but it also tells another message. It tells how much we need to do whatever it is that God needs us to do here on the earth. And I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine. I have a friend named Lady. That's a funny name, isn't it? But considering that Lady's a dog, this is not such a funny name, is it? Lady's a seeing eye dog. And I want to show you some pictures of her. You can pass them around. And you'll, you'll find something really funny about Lady, okay? She's with people. Lady is a seeing eye dog that up until last summer worked for a man. Do you know what a seeing eye dog does? It sees for people who are blind and helps them get around. And that's what she did. And then last spring, she retired. And when she retired, she thought, huh, I've been busy all my life. Now what am I going to do? So you know what she did? She got another job. And you know what she does now? She works at a school. She works with boys and girls just like you. And in the school where she is right now, by the time all the first graders have finished this month, she will have had a story that each one of them read to her. She loves to hear children read. She takes them to the library. She takes them to lunch. She takes them to the playground. And she sits beside them when they're sad and is happy for them when they're happy. Because you see, nobody really retires when it's God's world. Each of us has a job from the time we're little until the time we go to heaven. And that's the message that God brings us. He loves us so much that he empowers us to do his work right here on earth. So let's talk about jobs. We all know that mom and dad have jobs, right? And grandparents sometimes have jobs. Sometimes grandparents are retired. But even when they retire, they work, right? They help take care of us. They may work for Meals on Wheels and take meals to people. They may do a lot of stuff, right, that helps us out. So i got a question for you. What's your job? You're right. And what, what about going to school is your job? To do your very best, right? The very best you can. Because in everything we do, whether we're in school or we're out there working with people, or we're retired and helping people. God wants us to send our love, his love through us to everybody, and he wants only our very, very best. So during this Christmas season, I want each of you to give your very best to, your, to God by loving, by taking care of your friends, by helping people when they're sad, by helping people when they're happy, by being a part of God's world. Do you think you can do that as your gift back to God? Because you know what? We all have a job, right? 
Good. Let's pray. Dear God, guide and direct us as we go through life knowing that you have worked for us and seeing what our work is and helping to fulfill that in your world. Help each one of these children as they grow to know that God has a meaning for their lives and God will help them through the life to find this meaning. In Jesus' name, amen. come forward now to receive our tithes and our offerings.
seated. Many, many centuries ago, uh, a thing called the lectionary was established to recommend readings for the different times of the Christmas year. And it seemed wise to the early church that they would suggest that we would read about the second coming as we were in anticipation of the first coming and thinking about that first coming of Jesus Christ uh, as a child, as a baby. And so the reading for this first Sunday in Advent and as we begin a new Christian year is from Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 36, Jesus' words. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we have prepared our hearts. We've prepared our sanctuary. we prepared for Advent. we prepared to remember your birth and your incarnation into the world. And now we prepare ourselves to think and to realize that just as the first Advent came, so will the second. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and help us now. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, you know, this is the time of the season when you receive in the mail from the local television stations all the information as to what you're to do in case of bad weather. And each one tries to outdo each other, being the storm uh, central ready, storm ready place. And they want to give you all this information on what you should do if you need to close your business or in this case, the church. Now, the only problem with all this preparedness, with all this reliance upon uh, emergency broadcast systems and so forth and so on, is that once the ice storm hits or the snow hits or the wind storm hits, we have what happens. We have no power, right? No power. No electricity, at least for a short period of time, usually in our part of the country. What is so interesting is that all the instructions says to let you know that the church is not going to be open has to be put on the computer. And it has to be entered there, uh, and then they will put it on the TV screen. It always strikes me as a little bit funny that probably the folks who need to know that TV screens are blank. Or the people who need to put this on the computer, their internet's down. 
So it has always struck me that for us to be prepared in this day and age is a little bit hard to do. And these things still hit us and make us surprised. We, we still are surprised when events happen to us such as the worst weather we've ever seen, even though they're completely predictable. In today's gospel lesson, you have Jesus talking to us again about something that is predictable, a predictable surprise. Uh, Jesus talks to us about the time when he will return. And what's interesting about these words as they were given to those first uh, Christians is that most of the folks who followed Jesus for the first about 100 or so years expected Jesus to come back right away. And so they, so they expected this return of Jesus and they looked for it, they thought about it, and they even tried to figure it out. They tried to think about when it would come. And then when they figured out what they thought was the best guess of the day of the Lord uh, or, the or the return of Christ, uh, they would make predict predictions. And then what would happen is that the time would come and go and then their faith oftentimes would go. Uh, enthusiastic followers would carefully uh, calculate the precise day, and then when the precise day didn't come, the, their faith was crushed. And whole faith communities uh, oftentimes were disbanded because the end had not come. In fact, one of the letters of Paul to the church concerns those who were worried because Jesus Christ had not come yet, and they were worried about what had happened to those who had died. But you know, end time fixations are not exclusive to those early Christians. Uh, all through the generations, there have, been co there have come so-called uh, so prophets who've, who've tried to declare when they thought that the end would come. Uh, one notable one that the only reason is notable to me is that we actually had someone who was a descendant of one of the followers of this in one of the churches I serve. They were called the Millerites. Uh, and William Miller was a, a farmer in uh, western New York, a self-proclaimed prophet, and he predicted that the end would come October the 23rd, 1844. And he convinced thousands of people to sell their possessions. They dressed in white robes, and on the morning of October 23rd, they went to the nearest the top of the nearest mountains they could find, and they waited for Jesus Christ to return. Well, when Jesus did not return, when the day was over, they went down in the mountain and they wanted to know what had happened. And so he announced that he'd made a calculation error. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I think a couple years ago, we had someone out in California who predicted the end day and then came back after it didn't occur and said, oh, we've miscalculated. It's going to be this date. Well, that date's come and gone too. Well, what happened as after Miller made his uh, second and third predictions, you know what happened to his followers. They left. He didn't have any anymore. In our day and time, the, the most popular one, I guess, is the one about the Mayans, the Mayan calendars. Most of you have heard that. Um, if the Mayan calendar is true and real, then we've got till I think, December the 21st uh, to prepare. But I have a couple thoughts about that, that thing about the Mayan calendar. It seems to me like that what probably happened was that two young men, one named Double Bird, another one named Smoking Frog, 
And in case you think those are made-up names, they're not. I actually looked up some names and found that these two guys end up being leaders in the Mayan culture. Double bird and smoky frog. Smoking frog. Probably double bird said to smoking frog. Smoking frog, we have been carving these calendars forever, and we're all the way up to the year 2012. Don't you think we've carved enough for one day? And old smoking frog probably said, you know, double bird, I think we should go have an eggnog. And so they left and went and had an eggnog. Eggnog was probably spiked and they probably never came back to the calendar. The thing is, is for us to realize that Jesus' words to his disciples this morning, which they all mean that they're words to us, is that we should be warned against idle speculations. Jesus is trying to steer those in whom he entrusted the care of, the, of believers away from obsessing about the exact day, the precise moment when he would return as the triumphant king of kings. It's not the role, it's not the mindset, nor is it the heart set that Jesus wants us to claim. Jesus insists that no one, uh, not one human being, make sure you hear that, not one human being, when you'll hear more, I'm sure, after next year and a year after next, not one human being, not the angels in heaven, not even the Son is privy to the divine timetable for the end. And listen carefully, only the one who determined when the clock would start knows when the clock will stop. Only the Father knows the moment when the days of this world will cease. And Jesus wants the budding faith community. He wants us to not be bound by fixed timetables that are doomed to failure. They are not only a failure in fact, they're a failure in faith. It is to faith in the Word of God. It is to faith in the Father's providence and grace that Jesus called His disciples. It was to eternal watchfulness. Yes, be prepared. Be alert. Be watchful. Have a life dedicated and direct, directed towards the fact that yes, just as the first advent occurred, the second advent will occur. It's a predictable surprise. Just like one morning you'll wake up and there'll be ice or snow on the ground. It's a predictable surprise. God can move any moment into a, into a person's life. And Jesus was calling his disciples, all of us, to know and to, and to realize that to have faith, not in a time, but have faith in the person who started the clock and who can stop the clock. That's where our faith should reside. Now, it might seem strange on this first Sunday of Advent when we've decorated everything and got everything prepared and we're all rushing around getting ready and preparing, but we are preparing for what? We're preparing for a predictable surprise. We're preparing for the, the moment. They'll, all, they'll come that moment sometime during this season, and most of the time it occurs for me, it may occur for you at different times, but it usually occurs to me at some moment in the Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. When all of a sudden I realize once again that yes, I have been surprised. My heart, as John Wesley would say, has been strangely warmed. I've been surprised that the Holy Spirit is still working, still moving, still in the hearts of people and in my own heart. 
Yes, it's a season of new beginnings, but it's also a season in which we prepare for that predictable surprise. And that's what Jesus is telling us in this scripture. It's just as we prepare for that predictable surprise, which was foretold by the prophets, which came to pass in the first advent, so we also prepare for the predictable surprise of his second advent. It's a, it's, it's, Jesus is talking to us about having a whole new way of thinking to realize that there's a divine hold on time. And once you realize that there's a divine hold on time, your time, my time, the world's time, it's, be, it's the beginning of a lifetime of faithfulness. It's the beginning of a lifetime dedicated to trusting that God is in charge, that the world is in God's hands, and therefore it is good. And the human role should never be that of a mathematician trying to figure out when the last day will occur. Our role is not that of a perennial alarm clock. Our, our role instead is to be a perennial herald, to herald constantly the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like the first advent, the second advent will occur. The greatest prediction any human can ever tell you is this, God will surprise us again. God will surprise us again. So are you ready to be surprised again this Advent and Christmas season? Will you open up your life to the surprises that God has in store for you in the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life and others? Will you let your life be blessed by the leading of the Spirit? That is the best way to prepare for the first coming or the second coming. The greatest prediction I can make is God will surprise us. The greatest prediction any human can make is just like the first advent, the second advent will occur. Let us sing our hymn.
My prayer for you is you will always receive the blessings of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you will know that blessing in your life this day and each day. Amen. Thank you.